My goodness, yeah, give the Lord a hand clap. Praise the Lord. Well, welcome. You may be seated. Those of you that have joined us online, oh my goodness, we got Christmas lights up. Thank you, Barbara. You've been working hard at this. It looks beautiful. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. But we're glad you're joining us online as I try to say regularly, please don't just be a spectator. Just imagine you're, you're sitting, you're sitting right back over there. Sometimes you move and sit over there as they change the camera position. And uh, be part of this service because God wants to touch you and to speak with you. Praise the Lord. Next Wednesday, of course, is the night before Thanksgiving. And we're going to do what we've done here for years. And it's going to be a night for giving of thanks. And we'll have a time where you can share what you have to be thankful for. And last year we did it by having microphones up and just come up and share the microphone. But we're going to devote this next... This will be your chance to speak. And uh, we'll give you some direction for that before we, uh, before we do that. I just got to find where I put my notes tonight. Okay, here we go. All right. Let's, well, we did pray. Let's uh, prepare to get into to get into the message. This is a second part of something we started last week. Um, it's based on um, uh, Proverbs chapter 4, uh, starting in verse 20. And let's see what the message is tonight. What's the title I got up there? Oh yeah, Guard Your Heart. Thank you. Here we go. Okay. Um, we began last week talking about this, these verses that are so important. You'll often see them listed uh, as healing scriptures because of where they end up. But this is, this is out of the book of Proverbs. Proverbs was, consists of a series of, of written sayings written by King Solomon to his sons. And he had a number of sons as advice, counsel. Solomon, as we saw last week, God said about him that he was the wisest man that ever lived. God made him wise. God gave him his wisdom. And he wrote this book of Proverbs, which is just practical wisdom for how to live your life, to his sons. But this is God speaking to us as his children. And so he's saying to us tonight, my son, my daughter, give attention to my words. We talked about this last week, what that means to give attention to. It's not just you read it. But it's that you literally give your focus and your attention to, to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Verse 21. Do not let them depart from your eyes. That means keep your focus on them. You can do that during the day. Keep them in the midst of your heart. We kind of skipped over that because it's a separate message, which is what we're going to do tonight. Keep them, my words, in the midst, in the center of your heart. Notice what he does not say. He doesn't say, make sure you keep my words in your mind. He, he's not saying, make sure you memorize my words. There's, it's a good thing to memorize God's word because that way you have it to speak out and to meditate on it when you don't have your Bible or whatever app you have on your phone in front of you. But I can be thinking one thing with my mind and have my heart focused on something else. Keep them in the midst of your heart, and we're going to find out why. For their life to those who find them. And we talked last week about what that life is. It's not the bio, bio, biological life. There are two Greek words for life, although this is written in Hebrew. But there's a distinction in the Bible between your biological life, which is what makes you feel like you're alive. And then there's a spiritual life, which is far more real, far more powerful. And that's the life he's talking about. For their life notice to those who find them, which means not everybody finds them. To find them, you've got to go looking for them. I asked the Lord one time, I said, why? You know, in, in, in law, they would, you'd read the, 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 uh, the statute books, for each state has a, a book, statutes, and there are helps in there to find what you're looking for. And it's not spread out all over the place. But some, it seems to me as if God's teachings and principles are kind of spread out all over and you've got to really dig to find them. And I asked him one day, I said, why, why did you do that? He said, I did it because it, it enhances your desire towards me. You've got to want to find it. It's not something you're going to get by casual reading. 
So this life, the words, you have to go after. You don't stumble across them. You have to be intentional. We talked about that a little bit. Uh, um, when I talked about, oh, it was during the staff meeting. You have to be intentional. You have to be going after God's word, which means you have to value those words. Value those words. And we'll talk a little bit about that tonight. For their health to all their flesh. That Some translations say they're medicine all your flesh. And we mentioned last week that if you have a condition in your body, I don't know, maybe it's a cough and you go to the doctor and, you know, he determines you have a bronchitis, so he gives you a prescription for an antibiotic and the antibiotic label tells you the instructions. Take one of these pills three times a day until they're all gone. And sometimes the doctor will warn you, you'll start feeling better before the pills are all gone. Take them all. And don't, so don't lean to your own understanding, but trust me. And what do we do? We do just what the instructions are. We take one in the morning, we take one at noontime, and we take one at bedtime, and we do it, and they work. They get rid of the, 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 the infection, and by the time you're finished it, it's all gone because it's released your antibodies and it's killed that foreign germ that got in your body. This is God's prescription for life and health. Jesus said in John 6.63, my words are spirit and my words are life. Now to the intellectual mind that doesn't make any sense. But God says in 1 Corinthians, I chose the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. In other words, God's, our, our, the, the wisest person that's ever lived and compared to God is a fool. Especially if he doesn't believe there's God. Because God says, the Bible says, a man who doesn't believe in God is a fool. It may be a smart fool, but still a fool. But then I don't want to go to verse 23. So we just saw to, 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 to make sure you keep that word in the center of your heart. Why? Keep your heart. Most translations say, guard your heart. Look at what, I want to just spend time on this. This is God speaking to us. And you're going to see why. Guard your heart with all diligence. When we moved into our neighborhood, it's a, it's a, it must have been a safe neighborhood because there were no lock, there were no locks on the windows. I mean, it wasn't they didn't lock them. There were no locks on the windows. So the owner of the house that we bought it from must have felt it was safe. He never bothered to put locks on the windows. They had some on the doors. But times have changed, and in our neighborhood we've had some break-ins lately. And so I got a camera that I stick outside the door that lets me know if anybody's come to the door. And I assume some of you have something similar. My level of diligence to guard our house had to increase because I began to recognize that what used to be safe isn't as safe anymore. And it's, we're still a lot safer than some other communities. But when you know there's a danger out there, we've had, I got, you know, Molly's six, seven pounds, she's that tall, and she's fast. And so when she wants to run outside, when I have to take her out to do her business at night, and one of my neighbors has warned me, we've seen coyotes lately. And Molly would be a nice hors d'oeuvre for a coyote. So I have to go out now and not just run out let her run out, I've got to have her heel next to me, and then I go out with a flashlight to check. The, 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 the vet, when we first got her, warned us. She said, this is a small dog. She said, don't just let her loose in the yard, because there are hawks that will circle around, and those hawks have been known to swoop down and take a small dog away, and a horrifying thought that that would be. So what do I do? I watch over her when she's outside. Why? Because we value her. We, we, we put locks on, the, on our house. And I got a camera now. Why? Because we value what's inside of it. We've, I value my wife. We value each other, let alone what we have in our house. So when you value something, you're more diligent about protecting it. Some of you may have gotten a new car sometimes and you just, you know, you park it differently than you would park an old beat-up car. You're very careful to walk around and make sure that, you know, nobody's going to, you know, I, 
what I do is make sure I park next to cars that were more expensive than mine, <laughs> figuring that they would be more concerned about me opening my door into them than the other way around. But I'm conscious of the car because we value it. All right? So what, you're, what you value, you will protect. This is, this is such an important message tonight because it meets us where we are and it explains things. So guard your heart. Keep your heart with all... all dil- diligence is one thing, but all diligence. In other words, it should be the most diligent thing you do is to guard your heart and yet it's probably the, almost the last thing we think of. Look at what he says here. For out of it spring the issues of life. The word issue means uh, 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 an outflowing like from a fountain. Out of your heart flow the issues or the forces of life, the spiritual forces of life. And as I was going over this today and meditating on this, I felt the Lord speak to me and say, so where your life is right now is a result of how well you've guarded your heart. So if, there, if you're dealing with fear, anxiety, worry, if you're dealing with discouragement, depression, whatever the, whatever the main condition of your life is right now, it's a result of what's in your heart. Because out of your heart flow the issues, the the forces of life, good or bad. And it all depends on what you've allowed into your heart, because what gets into your heart will germinate and it will produce the fruit in your life. So whatever the fruit is in your life tonight, it's a direct result of what's been sown into your heart. And here's the problem. You have an enemy of your soul out there, Satan. And he understands this principle far better than you or I do. So he knows that in order, once you're a Christian, in order to get your life off track, he has to sow seeds into your heart. He's got to get them into your heart. Just getting them into your head is not enough. He wants to get it into your head because if it stays in your head long enough, it will go down into your heart. And this is the principle tonight. Out of your heart flow outflow all the spiritual forces that either bring life or death. Stop and think about what the Bible says. They don't need to put it up there. I gave it to them at the end of it before the service. But you were saved by what's in your heart. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you believe in your heart, God raised Christ from the dead. You believe in your heart. There There it is. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe where? In your heart. So it's what you believe in your heart about Christ which is how you received your salvation. It's not in your head. We have theological schools and seminaries that are filled with people that believe in their head who Christ is. I was raised to believe in my head who Christ was. The church we were in when we got saved, we didn't get saved in the church, but we were at the time. It's interesting, I, I, one year for Christmas, they had a, a, an Advent program, and they would take a family each Sunday of the Advent, and they asked you to, to do something. And we had a, 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 a baby, Emily, our daughter, and so we got up there, and so it was an appropriate thing, we're up to this young couple with a little baby at Christmas times, and, and all I did is I opened the back of their hymnal, which had their basic fundamental beliefs, which were that Christ is the Son of God. It's exactly right out of... They didn't believe them. They believed them in their head. But they never believed them with their heart. So it's when what I believed in my head got down into my heart, it released a spiritual force that brought my salvation. 
Faith is based on what's in your heart. Mark 11, famous verses. Mark 11, 23. Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive. Uh, surely I say to you, whoever shall shame in this mountain. Jesus is talking about prayer now. He just spoke to a fig tree to die, and it died within 24 hours. Be removed and cast in the sea, and does not doubt in his heart. It's what's in your heart. See, doubt can get into your heart. If it's in your head, that doesn't matter. But when it's in your head long enough, it will get down into your heart. And doubt in your heart will keep your prayers from being answered. But if you believe in your heart that those things you say will be done, you will have whatever you say. So faith is a force that comes out of your heart. Fear is a force that comes out of your heart, which is why Satan tries to sow seeds of fear into your heart. That's ultimately what's going on in the world around us. Ultimately, it's intended by Satan to sow into our hearts seeds of fear. Because if we leave them in our hearts, they will begin to produce exactly what you're afraid of. Job spoke these words when in one day he lost his whole family except his wife. I won't make a comment about her. And then the next day he lost everything else he had. And he said these words, the thing I feared the most has come upon me. Fear is not an innocent emotion. It is a spiritual force just like faith is a spiritual force. And the, sea, the, the ground that they germinate in is your heart, which is why Solomon and our God our Father is warning us, my son, guard your heart with all diligence. The stuff that's on TV, the stuff that's in the movies, you need to discern What's the spirit that's behind that? You sit and just watch things like adultery and all kinds of, you know, lying and stealing and things going on. So, well, that's just entertainment. But we're sowing seeds into our heart. It's not just innocent stuff. Well, I can handle it. That's exactly the weapon of the enemy, to think we can handle things that are his weapons. I'm enough to handle it. I'm smart enough to handle it. Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues. The, the Hebrew word for issues means wellspring, source of a water flow, of a spring. Whatever's controlling your life right now is the outflow of what's been in your heart. I want to turn to, we're going to look at two things tonight, to look at the Second Corinthians chapter 4. I want to show you an example of somebody that understood this principle and what enabled him to go through very difficult times. This is the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul is going to write here about, this is the, the second letter he wrote to the Corinthians, and he's, he's sharing in the beginning this, some struggles he went through. Chapter 1, he shares some amazing things in there. He said, I got so, so down pressured, I got so struggled so hard, I despaired even of my life. Have you ever felt like you were there? You despaired even of your life? He said, but God encouraged me so that then I could turn and encourage others. We don't have time to look tonight at that, but if you, want to, if you go to um, 1 Corinthians chapter, I think it's uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he talks about some of the things he went through. But look what he says here. For it is God who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness, who has shone in our what? In our hearts. God who commanded the light out of the darkness has shone has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Let me break that down for you because that's kind of a lot thrown at you. There's a contrast here between Moses, when Moses was leading the children of Israel out into the wilderness and God had them after about three months uh, uh, take them to the foot of Mount Sinai. And then God had Moses call the people up around the mountain and then called Moses up on the mountain. 
And he spent 40 days with, with God in God's physical presence on the mountain. And when Moses came down off the mountain, his face glowed so much that people couldn't stand in his presence. So what was that? He was in the physical presence of the glory of God. The power and the holiness and the glory of God. So much so that that glory saturated his skin and his clothes. Remember the story of the transfiguration where Jesus is uh, up, takes Peter and John and Andrew up on the mountain and, and, and he goes off and he starts to pray and his, suddenly his whole being begins to glow with his brilliance. That was the glory of God. And then Moses and, and Elijah appear to him and they start talking. So this was like that, except when Moses came down off the mountain, it was still on him. It was, he was so saturated with it. I'll use this example that those, only those of you that are around my age could probably understand this, but the rest of you have to trust me. Uh, they used to have watches. Now we have electronic watches that, you know, and... and, and uh, uh, or I have a watch that's, a, that's a, got a solar battery. But they used to have watches that, to glow in the dark, they used a luminescent paint. And what that paint for the numbers would do is during the day, that paint would absorb the light, a certain amount of light so that when you turned the light out at night, it would begin to emit, it, wouldn't, it would begin to emit that light that it had absorbed, but then there came a point where it ran out. It couldn't hold that much and, and it ran out. Well, that's what began to happen with Moses because that light did not come from inside of him. It was absorbed in his skin and in his clothing. So I think Paul's writing says Moses had to put a veil over his face because as it faded away, he didn't want the people to know that it was fading away. But here's a contrast. Paul's saying there's a light that's in me, not on my skin. It is the presence of God in me. And that's important for where we're going to go. Verse 7. But we have this treasure. So this treasure, what he's talking about, is the presence of God. We have this treasure, notice it's in his heart. In earthen vessels, that's his human body with its weaknesses, its tiredness, its frailty, its tendency to get frustrated at sometimes. We have this treasure in, in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power of God may, may be of the power of God and not of us. Keep going. Now he's going to describe some things he went through. See if you can relate to any of these things. We're hard-pressed on every side. Ever feel like everything was just closing in on you? But we're not crushed. We're, we're perplexed. This is the Apostle Paul. He didn't know, what's happening? I don't understand what's going on. Do you ever hear people say that today? What is going on? Nobody seems to understand anything. Paul was perplexed what was going on. I mean, this man was doing exactly what God called him to do, and he kept, ended up getting beaten, thrown in jail. He had a shipwreck several times. He was beaten like Christ was three times, I think it was. And he says, he says oh, we're, we're hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed but we're not in despair. Notice, notice the contrast. It's what was coming at him, and then, but it didn't destroy him. So he's hard-pressed on every side, but it didn't crush him. We're, I'm perplexed. I don't understand, but I'm not in despair. I'm persecuted, which persecuted means I'm rejected, but I've not been forsaken. I'm struck down, and he physically was struck down, but they can't destroy me. So no matter what happened to Paul, from the outside, it couldn't destroy him on the inside. Why? Because of what was in his heart. I heard a preacher teaching him this one time. It really it helped me to understand this. And he, he had been flying on an airplane, and when he... When he um, when he got on the plane, uh, he had two bottles of just water like this. And, and, and as, as they got on the plane, he had two and one, one bottle he drank. And when they got up to about wherever, 30,000 feet, he had finished it and had the top closed. And the bottle began to crunch when they came back down. 
because the pressure, the pressure here on the, at sea level is much more than it is at 30,000 feet, which is why they pressurize the cabin of the airplane that you're flying in. And for some reason, that plane did not adjust the pressure. I've seen it happen before where your ears will pop or something like that because it doesn't adjust the pressure quickly enough. And what happened is when he started to land, the bottle that was empty was crushed. The bottle that was full wasn't. Why? What was the difference? Because now the pressure on the outside had been increased. And because the bottle that was empty had nothing on the inside to fill it up and to withstand the pressure, it, the, the bottle itself could not keep the pressure from destroying it. But the bottle that was full... The pressure on the inside was a, the, the fluid on the inside gave enough substance to resist, to enable the plastic to resist the increased pressure on the outside. Does that make sense to you? Well, the bottle, the inside of the bottle represents your heart. What's in your heart, if it's of the Word of God, that's what, that's what Solomon's warning us here. If you've guarded your heart and you're careful of what's in your heart, when the pressure comes on the outside, it won't crush you. It won't lead you to despair. It will, you won't feel forsaken. We've all gone through times over the last year or so where you can get discouraged and things you prayed for didn't happen. People that you love and pray for died and, or other things have happened. And it's really tempting to be discouraged, especially one follows right after another. And it would come in and waves at me sometimes. And as a pastor, what first hit me right away is when we had to shut having physical church down. What's going to happen to the church? Is the, is, is the, are the finances going to be okay? All these questions just started firing at me. I've got a staff I feel responsible for, you I feel responsible for. And although that came at me, there was an inner strength in me that was not forsaken. There was an inner strength in me that was a resilience that was able to build that pressure back up. Why? Because I've sown God's Word into my heart. Don't wait until you're in an emergency. Don't wait because you're doing catch-up then. Because you're going to be doing it out of anxiety and you're sowing anxiety into your heart along with God's Word. So they're not destroyed. So Paul's reason for being able to stand through all of this is because of the presence of God he had sown into, into his heart. Let's go... Um, they're not going to show it to you, but First Peter chapter 5, Peter warns, he said, Be sober and alert. In other words, have all diligence because your adversary, the devil, is seeking whom he may destroy. We've got to realize you have an adversary out there. He's the enemy of your soul. The Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. And he is diligent. And he is diligently trying to... And he can't get at you unless he can sow something into your heart because he... Listen very carefully. He needs your will to cooperate with Him. God needs your will to cooperate with Him also. But they use very different devices to influence your will. God uses His Word. Satan uses thoughts and emotions and circumstances. So be sober and alert because your adversary, the devil, roams about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That means he can't just devour you because he picks you out and chooses you. You have to allow him to devour you, but the means by which he does that is by sowing into your heart. So now let's go to Mark chapter 4. This is where I really wanted to get. Jesus began to teach by the sea, and great multitudes, a great multitude was gathered to him so that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land 
facing the sea. Jesus would do that for several reasons. He kept the crowd away from crowding in on him. And the other thing is that the, the water is a great amplifier for sound because they didn't have microphones or PA systems. He taught them many things by parables. And he said, and he said to them in his teaching, okay, verse 3, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. This is a farmer. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some seed fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. Why? Because the, 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 um, the roots would go out sideways if there was not much depth. But when the sun was up, it scorched. It was scorched because it had no root. It withered away. Some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. Notice the seeds grew up, but they didn't yield a crop because there were thorns growing with it. Verse eight. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up and increased and produced some thirtyfold, thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said to them, look at this, what's an interesting thing to say. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Well, I'm looking, I can't see all of you that well, but we have ears. So he's not talking about these things. Ears to hear. Remember what Proverbs says, incline your what? Ear to my sayings. You have to intentionally listen in order to hear. And every wife understands that when she's talking to her husband because he's, yes dear, yes dear, mm -hmm, yes dear, yes dear, yes dear. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because we've learned how to respond. But we're minders four million miles away, we're not listening. In order to be listening, you can't be already thinking of your answer. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. You know, it's interesting, I did a, my very first sermon I ever did at Faith Christian Center, for I was ever on staff, was called Ears to Hear. How many times the Bible talks about Ears to hear. It was actually, in fact, each time it's Jesus. He says it here in the book of Revelation at the end of every letter that he dictated to a church, each of the seven letters, he says, He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. How little we really hear what God's saying to us. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 10. But when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. Verse 11. Look at this. He said, To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables. Why? So that, and this is a quote out of Isaiah, I think it is, so that seeing you may see and not perceive, hearing they may hear and not understand that they should turn and their sins should be forgiven them. So he's explaining to them why he teaches the multitude in parables. Now look, what ha look at the dynamics here. He teaches the multitude, he tells them these stories, and then he goes up on the mountain, on the hill. And some of them came up to him and asked him, what does this mean? And as those that came up and asked him what it means, that he gives the meaning of it. Why? Because they have ears to hear. They didn't just hear a nice story and say, well, Jesus tells nice stories. And they missed the Son of God speaking into their lives. Because as Isaiah had prophesied, they'll have ears, but they won't hear. They'll have eyes to see, but they won't see. They'll have hearts to understand, but they won't understand because he goes on later. Let's see, what, what does verse 13 say? This is a different version. 
Because what, what the prophecy goes on to say in Matthew's version is because they've hardened their hearts. They've hardened their what? Their what? Their hearts. This whole parable is about making sure that our hearts are not hard, but they're open to receive whatever God wants to sow into our hearts. He said, don't you understand this parable? Look at this. Then, then how will you understand all the parables? Jesus is saying, of all the things I'm teaching you, this is the foundation. You must understand this because everything else I teach is received through this means into your heart. Verse 14. And now he's going to explain it. The sower sows the word. My son, remember? Attend to my what? Words. So in, in I think it's Matthew's account, he says the, 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 the father is the husbandman. He's the farmer. So in this parable, the father, God, the father, is sowing his seed. His seed is his word. So the one who says, my son, attend to my words, is in this parable, the sower, the husbandman, the farmer, who's sowing the word wants to sow, the, tries to sow the word into your heart. And now, what we're going to see in this story is the seed is the same in each one of these cases. So it's the same seed. The thing about the seed is in the seed, in, in an acorn, this is amazing, think of that, in an acorn is everything that's needed to produce that oak tree. Just like in your parents' seeds that came together in your mother's womb was everything that was needed to produce your body. It's all in the seed. It's all in the seed. What determines what that seed will produce is the condition of the soil that it's sown in. My son, attend to my seeds, my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes, but keep them in the midst of your soil. For they'll produce life to those who find them and health to your body. These are the ones sown by the wayside where the word is sown. And when they hear it, Satan comes immediately and takes the word away that was sown in their hearts so it doesn't even get a chance to grow. That refers to, I wonder how many times we hear words that just, they never even get in our hearts. We hear them. Satan serves it. Boy, that was, that was a nice teaching. Boy, he was on today. Or nah, he wasn't on today. And we just hear words. We may even evaluate how well they were presented. Like Sunday. Wow, what a great, what a great time we had. Russ Haft touched lives. No, he didn't. He sowed seeds into lives. But when we just say, wow, it was great. I like that. I didn't like that. The seed didn't get into your heart. And Satan comes immediately. Notice who comes to... You know what he's... Notice he's, no, he's after the seed. These are the ones sown by the wayside, the word is sown when they hear Satan comes immediately and takes the word away that was sown in their heart. Why? Because he knows what that seed will do if it gets in your heart and stays there. Keep going. And likewise are the ones sown on stony ground that when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with glad. Praise God, glory, hallelujah. Woo, that was great today. I used to get concerned when I didn't hear people saying amen a lot or just, you know, applauding until I found out that's because they were receiving the word. And it's not wrong to respond, but sometimes we get so excited, we're excited about, you know, oh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> it's appropriate because Thanksgiving's coming. And, and, and you know, people sit around a table and, and they enjoy the meal, and they, wow, that just tasted so good. It was great. But the tasting was your experience of when you took it in. But that's not what benefits your body. What benefits your body is when you swallow it, 
and it now becomes part of it. So you can have the same experience, I don't want to offend you, by tasting the food and then turning around and spitting it out. And you can have a wonderful experience, except you won't be quite so full. But it won't do your body any good. And when we, all, we do, all we do is get excited about the Word, and that's all we do. We don't ever get it in our heart and keep it in our heart. That's like enjoying a good meal, but never swallowing it, spitting it out, and going on to the next meal. One stone on stony ground. They hear the Word and immediately receive it with gladness. But here's the problem, verse 17. But they have no root in themselves. There's no depth to the soil. There's no depth to their heart. It's hardened. It's closed. It will not allow the Word to get in deep and deal with you at a deep level. So many Christians today are just at a superficial level. It's all about God blessing me and God's grace being poured out of me and God blessing me and, and what am I... And so we become consumer Christians. And the problem with that is when you don't get what you bargained for, you go to another store. And that's why Christians move from one church to another because they like it over here better than they like it here. Instead of finding out where God's planted you. Only when you've been planted by God can you grow. If all you're looking for is entertainment, you will never grow, and there's an enemy of your soul out there who's very good at supplying you with religious Christian entertainment. And it's flesh. They have no root in themselves. Why? So what happens? They, they, so they endure only for a time. And we've all known them. I mean, I'm talking to a Wednesday night crowd here, so this is you know, not likely to be you. Afterwards, when tribulation, that's trouble, when trouble or persecution arises, notice, for the Word's sake, it comes at you because of the Word that's gotten in your heart. For the Word's sake, immediately they stumble. And I'm sure we've all known Christians that did. They, they were sincerely... I mean, I, I don't want to get sidetracked by this too much, but I've known too many cases of very well-known people, singers, actors, I've seen it happen, that get saved and people start putting them on the stage as an example to the world. So-and-so just got saved, but they're a baby Christian. And now they're being used as a testimony of what God can do, but they're never allowed to get the root down deep inside of them and have God's character and God's love and God's word built into them. And inevitably what happens is when things start not going well, there's no root in them to hold them still. I've told you this story before. But when a tree is planted, especially the big trees, and I'm not a... Oh, I know. We bought a, a, a bush last year. Abravite. Uh, 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 a goldie Abravite. Okay because there was an empty space in front of our house. And they, they informed us, look, what you want to make sure you do is you want to water this. They planted it for us. You want to water this every day for I've forgotten how many how long. And you want to soak it. So you want to put a hose there, just slowly dribbling water out so the water doesn't run off. And you want to just keep soaking it because what that will do is the water goes down deeper into the soil. It will take the taproot which down deep into the soil, and what that taproot does is that holds it in place when the winds and the storms come. And then it will begin to branch out. And see, what happens here is in, when our hearts are, are, are hard, when there's just a little bit of space for something to grow in there, but we're really not interested in changing we're not interested in God being able to work in our lives. We just want to come to church. We want to have a good experience in church. And I get excited in church. I love hearing the Word, but I don't really want it to get too far in my life. Then our soil's not very deep and it can't take root. So when trouble comes, these Christians give up. They stumble. Verse 18. Now those, this is where most Christians are that have been around for a while. Those who are sown among those words, those seeds that are sown among thorns, these are the ones that hear the word. They hear the word. 
But the cares of this world, the deceitfulness for riches, and the desires for other things besides the word, enter in and choke the word, and it's there, and it produces something, but it's unfruitful. So it matters not just how deep your soil is, how free from the plods and the rocks that your soil is, but it also matters what you've allowed to be sown in there. When I was growing up, my mother was quite a horticulturist. I mean, she knew the, the, the Latin names for all the plants and things like that. And so she had flowers growing all over the place. And I didn't care about flowers. I was a teenage boy. And we had a job of weeding the garden. And she came out one time so upset, I couldn't tell a weed from a flower. And I didn't care to tell a weed from a flower. I just wanted to get it done, so I was pulling up everything I could see. And she got all upset because you're pulling up the whatever they were. I don't know. And she said... <laughs> and I, I, figured, I couldn't figure out, why, why do you want to get the weeds out? All right? They're green. You just don't pay attention to them. You just look at the flowers and they don't pay attention to the weeds. I can look, they don't bother me. I can look past the weeds. But she understood something that I didn't understand then. Those weeds were drawing, they were competing for the water and the nutrition that was in the soil. Satan knows what God's Word kept in your heart will do. So if he can't keep it from getting in your heart, if he can't keep, get your heart hard so it doesn't have any depth to it, he'll sow into your heart things that will compete with God's Word. The cares of this world. The cares of this world are not just innocent, natural things that are out there that everybody has to deal with. The concerns of this world, yes. You need to be concerned about providing for your family. Those are legitimate concerns. But it's the care of it. It's when the care for the things of the world competes with the care for God's Word in your heart. Because Jesus taught it this way. You can't serve two masters. Either your heart's going to be seeking after God and His Word, or your heart's going to be seeking after the cares of this world, which is why Jesus warns the disciples, take no thought worrying. Because worry is a seed, is a spiritual seed that produces a spiritual force called fear and anxiety. And that will drive out God's Word out of your heart. The cares of this world. So recognize that when you, when you have these thoughts come at you, what are we going to do? How are we going to make it? Those are not innocent thoughts. So well, everybody has those thoughts. Yeah, everybody that doesn't understand this. They come at you. But you're, when I get, finally get around to teaching and renewing the mind, one of the cardinal principles of that is, first of all, you're not your mind. Your mind is a tool God's given you. And you do not have to accept thoughts. Satan's very good at making them be enticing. He's very good at making them be something, oh, you need to take this. But you have absolute control over the thoughts that you receive. We're coming to a time of people sending presents for Christmas and things like that. So it's not uncommon that you'll have your doorbell ring and there'll be somebody standing in front of you with a brown uniform or some other uniform, and it'll say maybe UPS or FedEx or something like that, and what do they do? They hand you a package. And what is your instinct? To grab the package, and then what do they want you to do? They want you to sign for the package, and then we take it in and find out what it is. But once it's in your house and you sign for it, it's now yours. So whatever's in that package is now in your house. But you know you have the right to say no. You have the right to refuse. I don't want that. So what I learned to do is I want to see who sent it to me. I want to see if I know. It's like emails. You get an email from somebody, you don't know who they are. Don't open it, especially if it has a, a link in it. And even if it is somebody you know, make sure you know where it's really come from. Why? Because that email may have a virus connected to it. 
So we don't just open something that's sent to you. You have the right to delete it. In fact, I'll go further. You have a responsibility if you want to keep your computer or your phone or your iPad healthy, you have a responsibility to make sure that that email that you've received is coming from a safe source. It's even more true with your thoughts. Because that UPS package or FedEx, I don't want to pick anybody out, that email, the worst thing that email can do is destroy your is destroy your, 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 your computer or even your finances, but it has no eternal effect. Thoughts are eternal seeds that produce eternal forces. So the cares of this world, Jesus said, take no thought, saying. He talked about worry. Do not worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear. Do not worry about those things. And boy, they press in on us. They press in on us. But I want you to see tonight, they're not innocent. God has not called us to worry. I shared with the staff the other day, yesterday. It's interesting, Jesus told His disciples to go to the other side. And while, in the, while He's in the boat with them, this is several times, but this is one incident, and a, a, a freak storm comes up, as it can, on that sea. And suddenly it's tossed about so that these professional fishermen who've grown up out there are afraid, and Jesus is in the boat with them, but he's asleep. And they go and wake him up. And what are their first words to him? Don't you care? Why did they think he didn't care? because he wasn't anxious about the situation they were anxious about. Isn't it interesting? Why wasn't Jesus anxious? If he wasn't anxious about where they were, why should they be anxious about where they were? He's more likely to know something than they know. He's, li- he's able to do things they can't do. You don't need to be anxious in a storm in a boat if it goes down, if you can walk on water. You really don't need the boat. And he's not going to let them drown. The point is this. Why do we get anxious about things God's not anxious about? And, and we don't get concerned about things God is concerned about. Somebody wants us distracted. But there's another soil. Put the next one up. But these are those that are sown on good ground who hear the word. Now go back to verse 19. Look at these three things. Uh, you need to think about these. These are, these are weapons that come at you to get sown in your heart so that they can choke God's Word. Remember, God's Word in your heart has to produce what it was sent to do. Isaiah 54, My Word that goes forth from my mouth will not return to me void, but it will accomplish what I sent it to do. So God's words contain in them, we talked about this last week, God's words contain in them the power of God to produce what they say. So when Jesus says, My peace I give you, Those words have the power to produce peace in your life that He had. But what happens? We sow that into our mind and try to get into our heart, but then these anxious thoughts get sown in our heart and they choke off the word of peace in our heart to steal it out of our heart. The deceitfulness of riches. What's deceitful about riches? Because we put our trust in them. If I just have enough money, if I just have this, then I'm going to be okay. My goodness, the, the inflation goes up. What's going to happen? I may need to get another job. I may need to take everything into my home. It's the deceitfulness that the riches are going to give you your peace, your security, your provision. God is the source of everything in your life. And the only real peace you have is as you learn to trust Him as your source because nobody can take that away. And the desire for other things entering in. We start getting our... Satan wants to woo our hearts 
away to other things, to begin to desire them. And in some of the translations, say the lust for other things. It's, I don't have time to go into it tonight, but in, in James chapter 1, he talks about how this develops. He, Satan works on the desires of, of, that are in your heart that aren't from God, things you like. It's not just, well, I like, you know, I like the color blue or I like clothes. It's what do you begin to get captivated by? What begins to captivate your heart that you have to have? Those are giving your heart. Remember what we're talking about? Your heart. Satan's trying to get your heart. Woo your heart away from God, away from the things of God. Choke the Word of God and it becomes unfruitful. Verse 20. This is where we want to get to. But these are those where the seed, the Word of God is sown in good ground, a good heart, who hear the Word, accept it, bear fruit, some 30, 60, and 100 fold. Jesus said, he always hears to hear this. Let him hear. He said, but most people have ears, but they don't hear this. But to you, it's been given. In fact, in, in Matthew's account, it says that he who has, he who doesn't have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And he who does have, what he has will get more. That sounds like a riddle. But he's talking about he who has ears to hear, even what he has heard, he'll get more. But he who does not have ears to hear, even what he thinks he's heard, he will lose it. Hearing, not just with the ears, hearing with your heart, which means I'm open to receive. I did a message a while ago, I think it was on a Sunday morning, on, on looking in your heart and finding what areas of your heart have you hardened to God? Things I don't want to hear. God's begun to open my eyes. You know, you just really don't want to listen to this person, do you? Why? Why don't you want to listen to them? And I began to realize, well, maybe there's something they're going to share I don't want to hear because if I hear it, now I'm responsible for doing it. Guard your heart. Keep it open. Keep it sensitive. God will give you things to do to help you do that. He'll challenge you at times. He'll challenge you to love somebody who isn't too lovable. He'll challenge you to listen to somebody you don't want to listen to. But when he gives you those challenges, it's to help keep your heart open and soften it so that the word that gets in your heart will begin to produce 30, 60, and 100-fold. The word of God that's sown and kept in your heart cannot fail to produce what it was intended to do unless you let it stolen out of your heart are choked off with the cares of this world and Satan's a master at that I'll end with what I started with guard your heart with all diligence for out of your own heart flow the forces the issues the spiritual forces that bring life or that bring death the situation of your life right now is a direct result of what's been sown and kept in your heart. And if you don't like where it is now, you have the ability to change it by changing what you sow into your heart and then guarding it. Let's pray. We thank you that you speak to us as a father. And because a father loves his children, he will correct them because a father loves his children, he'll point out to them the things they're doing that are harming them. <clears throat> because a father loves his children, he will say to them whatever needs to be said. But it's always said out of love. It's always said for our best interest in heart. And Father, tonight, we, I don't know who's listening to me. I know who's here. I don't know who's watching online or who will listen to this or see this later on. But you do. And you know the condition of their life right now. Open the eyes of their understanding that they may see this very critical parable that Jesus taught his disciples and Jesus is teaching us tonight. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit who's been sown into our lives to bring back to our remembrance the things that we hear so that we may begin to apply them 
in our lives. Father, if there's anyone that's watching tonight or here tonight that's never received Christ as their Savior, never trusted you to let him into their heart, into their life, give them the courage and the boldness tonight to step out and to receive this wonderful gift that you have for us in Christ. And for that, we give you thanks in Jesus' name. So before we 